Hello friends, this is Marianne McKibben Dana, and welcome to The Blue Room. We continue our Hope Notes series, in which we look at works of art and pop culture with an eye toward what they have to teach us about hope. Today we bring you part one of a conversation with my friend Derek Weston about the film Black Panther. Derek is a writer, podcaster, and filmmaker working at the intersection of food and faith. He and his wife, the Reverend Shannon Weston, and their four kids live outside of Baltimore, Maryland. Derek and I spoke over Zoom in February 2021. As a quick reminder about the film, Black Panther tells the story of Wakanda, a fictional country in Africa, and particularly T'Challa, who assumes the title of King of Wakanda while simultaneously acting as the country's masked guardian, known as the Black Panther. One more note to set the stage for you. The film was released in February of 2018, just a few weeks before the United States president at the time had referred to certain African nations as, quote, shithole countries. You'll hear that referenced in our conversation. It's really hard to talk about this film without acknowledging um, the terrible loss of Chadwick Boseman uh, last August. And I was, I was researching and, and kind of looking at some of the reaction to his death. And Van Lathan, who is a commentator on, on sports and pop culture and all kinds of things, really spoke from the heart in talking about Chadwick Boseman's life was about performing and inspiring and uplifting people with his art. And he said, and I quote, nobody would have begrudged him stepping back, savoring his life because he had this uh, cancer diagnosis. And nobody, he says, nobody would have begrudged him just saying, I'm, I'm done. But instead, Van Lathan goes on, he chose to put the entertainment, inspiration and empowering of his people, culture and the world community first. It's one of the more selfless things that one can do. And so I just acknowledge um, his incredible talent and his, his giving heart. Um, but Derek, um, I'm wondering if you remember having seen Black Panther for the first time and, and what it kind of meant to you. Yeah, so I am in, I'm in Baltimore, Maryland. And so I went to a theater that was mostly filled with African-Americans. And it's, it's very interesting. Only Star Wars films have, have reached this level of people kind of dressing for the occasion of going to the film that that kind of rivals Black Panther of of people wearing dashikis and African garb that they had and it was it was such a powerful moment the joy that was just on people's faces as they were streaming out of the theater of of seeing this really moving i mean here's the thing about Black Panther is it could have been terrible and I think people still would have just appreciated the cultural moment of this, this black superhero, but it was also a really good film. And so the fact that it, it was this wonderful representation and then it was a great film, the, the joy that was on people's faces coming out of the theater was, was overwhelming. And I, I, I just remember and and i i hadn't i hadn't made the connection until i saw your notes about the the shithole country comment and just how needed it was 
like what it, like it wasn't just um it was it, it was it was cathartic it was it was this kind of infusion of joy and pride and dignity that just was absolutely crucial and needed at the time um mm-hmm. it's it's one of those memorable film watching experiences um yeah it, it's yeah it's one of those ones that's kind of burned in my mind The next part of our conversation delves more deeply into the plot of Black Panther, particularly the conflict between T'Challa and American special operative Eric Stevens, nicknamed Killmonger, who challenges T'Challa for the crown after it is revealed that he is also of Wakandan royal blood. Eric slash Killmonger intends to use Wakanda's advanced technology and weapons to liberate people of color around the globe from their oppressors. His critique of the evils of colonization and racism makes him a compelling character, but the solution he proposes will only propagate violence, which prompts T'Challa and his friends to fight back against Killmonger and his plan. In thinking about some of the themes of the movie, I wanted to kind of share, you know, Derek and I have sort of, you know, thought back and forth about some things that really connected with us. But one of the themes of the movie that I really saw was this idea of, of hiddenness and what is hidden and what is revealed. And Wakanda, of course, is a, is a nation that lets itself be known as a, just a nation of farmers, not very technologically advanced. And they allow that identity to sort of be what the rest of the world believes about it in order to protect its, its resources, its people, its technology, and, and frankly, its identity. And, and over the course of the movie, there's kind of this sense of, is that still serving us? And can we be of service to the rest of the world in revealing more of who we are? And that's necessary for its own safety and protection. And I was listening, uh, Wesley Morris and Ta-Nehisi Coates actually had a conversation with Jenna Wortham after the movie came out and they were reflecting on this idea of hiddenness and revelation. And they, they talked about code switching and, and sort of having to occupy white spaces in a particular way, which of course, anything you want to say about that, Derek, but they saw it almost as kind of a parable for that, that kind of experience of having to, to hide or, or be different than, than you really are in order to kind of be safe and, and make your way in the world. Thoughts about that. Yeah. I think, I think that's a brilliant insight. I think there is a, there's a safety to being able to, you know, I, I, this is, this is, you know, part of my story as a, as a African-American who went to a predominantly white school, there was this emphasis placed on, on how I spoke, particularly from my parents of that. There is a, there is a way that is safer to be in the world. Um, and so I, I just think that's an incredibly insightful, insightful way of like, it's safer for us to put on this image that we're just a bunch of farmers. We're just a bunch of, you know, there's, there's no technology here in order to, to get by. Yeah. And that that's reflected in the movie and in a lot of little places too, of right at the beginning, there's a scene where Okoye and T'Challa come in and, and, and extract Nakia, who's a spy, and she's working in Nigeria. That that first scene with the the child soldiers, and 
And after they've kind of removed her and, and liberated these folks who are apparently being held captive, um, Okoye, who is the woman who's the head of the Dora Milaje, the general, says, speak nothing of this day. So even these little moments of heroism, they have to, they have to for their own kind of safety, keep, keep under wraps. And you see it reflected, you know, as, as this conflict kind of emerges of, is this working? Is this at what cost? And I think that, you know, in listening to your story, that comes at a cost, right? To, to, to think about, I have to speak a certain way and in, in, in sort of in pass. And I'm, I'm glad that it, in some ways we're, we're talking about those stories more openly. And, and as the movie goes on, um, these secrets, I mean, there's all kinds of secrets in the plot about, you know, the, the villain, which, I put in quotes, I think it was, there was a New Yorker article that said, um, the villain in the movie is history itself, because he's created as a result of, of the, the way history is played out. But, uh, but this idea of, of, you know, the secret of this child, because his father's killed when he's young, and it helped create who he was. And when T'Challa comes to terms with that, he's got to come to terms with that his father, you know, wasn't who he thought he was, or he was, but he made him, he, he made this decision that that was a fateful decision. Any other places where you see kind of hiddenness or, you know, this, this kind of revelation um, em- emerging over the course of the story? Well, I, I, I just think that, you know, going back to that last example, I think one of the things you see there is just sort of the, the toxicity of the remaining hidden and and how that particularly in that in that second scene in the astral in the ancestral plane like T'Challa is kind of railing against his father of like your your hiddenness has come back to affect me um it's a the sins of the father sort of thing but you know I think there's so much revelation in this in this film that is is profound yeah, I and I know you you studied cinema, didn't you? Was that your 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 training? Yeah. I I'm curious. I'm going to float a. I was an English major, so we can come at this from from two different kind of literary <laughs> directions. But I was so taken by the first challenge scene where T'Challa is fighting Baku, yeah. and and he's sort of on the ropes and he's sort of back. And so there's an upside down view of his mother, Queen Ramonda, who says, "Show him who you are." which again, there's another hiddenness and revelation thing. Like you can have your power stripped away, but you are still uh, descendant of Kings. You know, you are still T'Challa. So you have this upside down kind of inversion, but then you see that again when Eric comes on the scene and he defeats T'Challa, at least for the moment. And as he walks into the throne room, the camera does this, this circular thing. And the first couple of times I saw it, I was like, that's just Ryan Coogler being slick. You know, I mean, it looks really cool, right? And probably if you read comic books, maybe that kind of sweeping sort of thing evokes some, some of those panels. But it's like the sort of turning upside down, maybe that's a part of hiddenness too, is just shifting the view of things. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that or if you had thought yeah, about I, that. Yeah, I, I, I love that idea um, that, that the upside downness is... Um, because that in that shot, he's going from he's going from upside down to right side up, yeah. and there's a sense of a new 
truth mm. that is that is being lived into and or the beginnings of a new truth a truth of we're going to lead through power we're going to lead through a different way of being and that's a jarring truth that's that is not who they've been that that is the 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 paradigm shift from this old way of being into this new framework of of how we're going to go forward I don't think it's a comic book, not a, it's a very cinematic moment. Mm. It's, it, it's something that's disorienting and reorienting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that's, I think that's what's, that's what's happening is, is we, on one hand, we see T'Challa kind of reorient himself, yeah. gaining, coming back into who he really is. And then we have this disorientation that's happening from, from Killmonger and then this new orientation that is unlike the orientation that we had before with T'Challa. So mm-hmm. I think that's a very, I think it's actually a very cinematic moment. Ah, cool. Yeah. Well, and watching it again this weekend, I had paid attention more this time to when Eric goes into the ancestral plane and has the conversation with his father, which just, can we talk about how amazing all of the performances are? Well, yeah. um, but Brown is like the best actor we have right now, period. Just, Yeah. <laughs> drop mic it's it's so true and and part of what i mean to you know chadwick boseman is 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 regal and and heartfelt and all of this um but michael b wow <laughs> uh just a brilliant casting if you want to have a a, a again an adversary I, I don't i mean he he does villainous things no no doubt but you just can't help but be compelled by him. But anyway, they're in this conversation. And actually, I think it's young Eric at that stage, but talking about they may not accept you if you go to Wakanda. And he says, you know, why? Well, they'll, they'll think you're lost. And, and Eric says, maybe your home is the one that's lost. So again, this kind of who, who is right here and what does it mean to, to be home and, and what does it mean to be lost and found? Um, and so this kind of inversion of, of things kind of maybe connects to that. I wondered, I mean, you, you uh, talked in our, in our sort of conversation uh, on, in, in this document beforehand about Afrofuturism and you asked what might an Africa have looked like that never experienced colonization. Um, would you talk about that a little bit and how this, how does this connect to sort of the idea of hope and, and the themes in the movie? Yeah, I, I think what, what's happening in a lot of Afrofuturism is there has been so much made of a Black past that has been filled with oppression, that has been filled with colonization and genocide and enslavement and the dehumanization of a group of people what Afrofuturism kind of does is recognize the, the, the genius that was, was lost and drained in, inherent in those forces of colonization and, and asking ourselves what would happen. And, and I think this, this film in particular, what Wakanda paints for us is like, what happened if that genius would have been untouched and allowed to flourish? And one of the myths that we live with in the United States is that what happened was a whole bunch of unskilled labor was loaded onto boats and brought over to America. And that's not what happened. People were brought from certain parts of the continent because of skills they had. And that genius was extracted and brought to the the new world. And, and what's happening in, in this vision of Wakanda is what if 
what if that genius had been left there in its place to build on itself? And, and, and I, I think there, there is a hope there of recapturing that resilience, that genius, and finding new ways to let it flourish into a future that paints a picture of the past that wasn't allowed to be. So I, I think it's I think it's interesting that Black Panther is a big part of putting Afrofuturism kind of back on on the radar in some big ways. It's now February 2022, and we here in the United States are celebrating Black History Month. These commemorations have gotten more fraught in recent years as our nation argues over how to tell the story of its racialized history, including slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, and the fight for civil rights, which continues even today. Works of imagination like Black Panther, while fictional, are an essential part of that work. We'll have more to say about the film and what it has to teach us about hope in part two of this conversation. For now, though, I'm left thinking about how a reckoning with the past, including a past that was never allowed to be, can help us heal the present and transform the future. Thank you so much for joining us in the Blue Room for this series on Hope Notes. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so others can find it. Also check my website, MarianneMcKibbenDana.net, where you'll find a schedule of new Hope Notes conversations and a place to register so you can participate in real time. You can hear more from today's guest, Derek Weston, on the Food and Faith podcast, or connect with him through the Stories of Food and Faith website. I'm Marianne McKibben-Dana, speaking to you from Reston, Virginia, the ancestral land of the Manahoac people. This podcast was produced edited, and co-written by Caroline Dana. Thank you, as always, for listening. Steady on.